Anyway, I'm going to jump into the message today. Uh, it's good to be back a few weeks off. Well, one week off, but it feels like a long time, am I right? And so it's good to be back. This is going to be a great year, and uh, I'm ready to jump into this message for today. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. This is something the Lord put on my heart uh, towards the end of last year as we were going into 2020, and I really felt like this would be the uh, scripture verse that would kind of be the theme set up for our fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand, check this out, and led him out of the village. Let's go a little bit further. Then spitting on the man's eyes, turn to your neighbor right now and just Tell them, don't do that to me. <laughs> Some of you thought about it. Then spitting on the man's eyes. You see, when you read it, you got to read it with the right tone. Or else it just sounds kind of like, you know, just average, vanilla. Then spitting on the man. No, then spitting on the man's eyes. He laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people. But I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Let's pray and jump in. Lord, thank you for our, this opportunity to gather together today your people that you have called out by the name, those that you have reached, have gathered here today, Father, to worship you, to hear from your word. And I just pray right now that as we're sitting in this room, reading from your word, Lord, the most important voice here will be yours. And I just pray, Father, that you will speak to every heart in this room, that they will leave here knowing that they met with you today. They will leave here knowing that they didn't just come to hear a man, but they heard you. And I pray, Father, that you will speak words in their heart that won't just last for a season, but will last for a lifetime. And so, Lord, today I pray that you will awaken us to who you are and what you want to do in our lives. I pray, God, that this year won't just be another year, but this year will be a year that we pursued you. And so, Lord, I just pray now that as we're sitting here, Father, this will no longer be our position. But, Father, our position will be one of pursuit, that we're coming after you, Father. And we're chasing all that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I began to think about it being 2020, and it's kind of shocking because... Um, by now, we were supposed to be flying around in the little cars that were on the Jetsons. Am I right? Uh, but we're still driving normal vehicles. Praise God. Um, and so when you really think about it being the year 2020, it, it, it feels odd. It's like it's already 2020. Now, if you're a kid, you're just thinking hey, it's just normal. But if you're a little bit older, you're like, I can't believe it's 2020. Anybody in here born in the 70s? Anybody born before the 70s? Y'all are awesome. Anybody born after the 70s? All right, I got work to do. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, it's just one of those things that you, you, you feel like the future is now, 
but it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. And I think a lot of us, as, as we prepare, prepare for our lives and look forward, we have an idea of what we think it's going to look like, and then we get there, and it doesn't necessarily look like that. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? And so... You know, we finish up last year, we got family time, we're doing Christmas celebrations, we're doing our New Year's celebrations, we're watching bowl games, we're trying to keep the house sane because the kids, are, are they just got cabin fever, and some of us got to go back to work, and it's just that whole, that whole idea of how do we get back to normal, and I began to think about this, do we really, really want to get back to normal? Like, and, and, and I understand the, the, the blessing of the routine, but the reality is, do we really, really want to get back to the routine of normalcy where um, we're feeling overwhelmed with stress? Do we really want to get back to that? Do we want to get back to the place that we know that there are things that we need to do and we're just not doing it and we're neglecting it? And, and do we want to get back to the place where we're hurting? Do we want to get back into those positions where, where we know that, that God's got more for us but we're settling for less because it's more convenient? And so we're really going into a new year challenged with this whole thought of do I want the normal routine or do I want more? Like, do I want what God has for me, or do I just want to get what I've been getting because this is the most that I'm willing to put into it? And I think these are some legit uh, things to consider as we're going into a new year because a lot of people are trying to make resolutions. A lot of people are trying to plan their year out, get their calendars cleaned up, get their house cleaned up, get their closets cleaned up. Listen, yesterday, I don't know what came over Cynthia, but she wanted to clean everything. It was 9.30 last night. It was like, what are you doing? I hear, I hear things moving around in the closet. She's like, I'm just going through some things. Next thing you know, there's a pile of stuff. And you know what happens when your wife makes a pile of stuff? She wants you to get rid of it. It's just a lot of stuff going on. And why is that? I think it's because when you go into a new year, there's a sense that it is new. I want newness. I want something different than what it was. I want things in order. I want things to be better. And I believe that is such a noble cause. But a lot of times we start out with the ideas of wanting it to be better. And then we just slip back into the same old, same old. A lot of goals are set. A lot of New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to manage my time better. I'm going to focus on me this year. There's all these different things. And it's amazing how people are just so bold to post this stuff on social media. It's like you don't realize by March people are going to go back and say, yeah, they didn't follow that. It happens all the time. But today, as we're, as we're kicking off 2020 here at Emerge Church, Every year we start off our year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And today, as we start out the year, um, I, I, we're going to call the church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, why 21 days? I want to answer a few questions that people have had, you know, just for years, just trying to figure out why 21 days? What is fasting? Like, what is this all about? So the idea behind 21 is this. 21 days is usually how long it takes to start a habit or break a habit. And so for 21 days, I believe if we will intently seek the Lord, fast from some things, put some things aside and seek the Lord, I believe it's going to start some new habits in our lives. And I think that's a good thing to build some disciplines into our life going into a new year. Because if we don't change anything, nothing's going to change. Amen? Like that's tweetable. Some of you who were born in the 60s and the 70s, you don't do that stuff, but the younger people do it. But it's time for change, am I right? 
And I've noticed that a lot of people, when it comes to change, they want to change the things around them to try to make their lives better. Those, the, those makeover shows, they always trip me out because they fix their hair, they do their makeup, and they give them a really nice suit of clothes, and they bring them out in front of the crowd, and everybody's clapping, and they look amazing. And I'm thinking, they're probably going to wear that on Monday, but what are they going to wear on Tuesday? And somebody's doing their hair today. They don't even know how to do that. Somebody's doing that lady's makeup. And the last time she did makeup, she looked like a raccoon. And now they're implementing all this other stuff. Like, these are the thoughts that I have. And so a lot of times what we do is we begin to shift things around us, get everything fixed around us, and eventually history begins to repeat itself. And we can't figure out why history is repeating itself. And we're angry at them. We're upset with this situation. We're upset with that and everything around us. And a lot of times the things that needed to change were the things that were on the inside. Not the things on the outside. Clean your closet up, baby. I think that's awesome. But if all we do is clean the closets of our lives and never really get down to our heart, things are not going to change. Might delay it for a little while, but it's not going to change. You can look good and be ugly. Woo! Happy New Year, everybody. All right, let's jump into this. What is fasting? What is this? And I know it's becoming a normal thing now in a lot of the different diets and the different health plans that people are coming up with. But really, what is fasting? Fasting is giving something up for a period of time. Watch this. For a spiritual purpose. For a spiritual purpose. We're talking about biblical fasting here today. And one of the things I want to make sure that we do is, is really do a good job of explaining and presenting uh, biblical fasting and not just health fasting. Okay? Because if all we get out of this is a smaller pant size... We missed it. I just, I got to be honest, because a lot of people are going to fast from food, and they're going to do the Daniel plan. Pick whatever plan you want, okay? I think those things are great. But the whole point of fasting is refraining from something so that I can put more focus, time, and energy into seeking God. Okay, we got to make sure we get this straight. And some of you that have fasted for years and years, I know the evolution of fasting, how it's turned into more of a health thing, and I think it's great to be healthy. But if you get healthy in your body and don't get healthy in your spirit, what's going to happen whenever the enemy begins to attack? You might look strong on the outside, but what you got on the inside? Amen? And so I think it's very important that we realize that fasting, the fast that we're presenting is a spiritual fast. Amen? A spiritual thing where I'm saying that for 21 days, I want to put some things aside so I can give some intent focus to the Lord. So this is what it looks like. Let's say you decide I'm going to fast lunch for the next 21 days. Now, if you don't eat lunch already and you say you're fasting lunch, you're not really fasting. Let's just be real, okay? Okay? I knew guys that say they're fasting, they're not eating any food, and they just juiced it all. I've seen guys juicing like steak and potatoes before. I am not lying to you. Just put a lot of butter in it, and it just, it's not healthy, but they were just telling you, this is how people think during this time. What I'm talking about, though, is there's an element of sacrifice to it. And so let's say you, you eat lunch regularly. And you're going to fast for lunch. During that time that you would normally eat lunch, you take that time to pray. You take that time to read your Bible. You take that time to worship the Lord. See, I'm giving up something so that I can take time with the Lord. 
That's what biblical fasting looks like. When you read through the Bible and you see, and listen, these guys are champions. Like like Moses going out for 40 days and fasting up on the mountain. Like I don't know how you can get off of work for that long, but he did it. And I mean, this guy walked around and barely had water. I mean, the whole thing was just seeking God. And so the whole intent of fasting isn't just what you stop. It's what you start. Amen? It's what you're going to start. And I pray that as we're fasting, that you start some new habits, that you start some time spending time with the God. And so today, I challenge you, everybody who calls Emerge Church home, you're looking at the church, considering, do I want to be a part of it? I want to call the church to 21 days of prayer and fasting, okay? So we believe this, that you can have your best year if this is your best year spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean that things won't happen. I believe you can have things happen to you, and it doesn't have to be the worst year ever. Amen? Because if you're spiritually strong, you can conquer all of those things. And I think that God wants us to be more than conquerors. That's what he said in, his Bible, in the Bible, that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Okay? And so one of the things you can do if you're trying to get some more information about fasting is you can go to our website. We put a lot of resources on there. There's Bible reading plans. There's different types of fasts that you can check out. There's some links on there. There's some websites if you want to find out more about fasting. I've known people that, that fasted from different types of food. I know people that fasted different kinds of meals, social media, any kind of TV, internet, all those different things, which I don't know how you do internet because a lot of people's jobs and like life depends on that. But they're, they're trying to find some things that, caught, that, that really clutter up their lives. They try to put it aside so that they can focus more and more on God. And again, I think the intent needs to be, how do I focus more on the Lord? Amen? And that's what I want to challenge you with. How are you going to take this time to focus more on getting your relationship with God solid. Amen. So check out our website. Lots of resources on there. There's also a Spotify playlist. A lot of the songs that we do here at church and even some of the new ones that we'll be learning. Also, as Cynthia mentioned a few moments ago, our prayer nights. Those are incredible nights. And this is a great night really to take another step in your faith where we're praying together as a church, not just for individual things. We will do some individual ministry there, but also praying for some things in our community, praying for some things in our nation, praying for just different things, different topics, different things that are affecting each and every one of us. And I think there's something about it whenever the church comes together to pray that there's like a synergy of faith that takes place. Amen. And I, I would really want to encourage you to take the time to come out. It will be 630 to 730. The next three Wednesday nights will have child care available. And so listen, some of you, your kids are like in fourth and fifth grade which we're going to have child care available for infants and toddlers. But some of those older ones, bring them in that prayer time with us. This is a great opportunity to teach your kids how to pray. This is a great opportunity for them to see you praying. And so I encourage you to do that. My kids are going to be there and just like they've always been there. And we want to expose them to that environment. But it's just an incredible time. And so make sure you head out there. That's going to be, like Cynthia mentioned, at Every Nation Church right next to Red Lobster on North Monroe Street. We'd love to have you guys coming out for that. So let's jump into this message today as we're talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as I mentioned, this is a theme, this Mark chapter 8 that the Lord put on my heart. And, you know, with it being the year 2020, there's a lot of sermons that are going to be preached today about vision and, and having a vision for your life and a vision for the next decade. And uh, I think all those things are great. And I don't really want to fall into the cliche, but I do believe that we need to have a vision check for our lives. Amen. 
I, I, just like as you get a little bit older, it's good to go get your vision checked so that you can see clearly. Amen? So that you can read well, so that you can see the people in front of you when you're driving and not running to them. Somebody say amen. Okay? So vision is this buzzword. And vision has gone everywhere from corporate America into the churches, into the homes, into people's lives individually. And I believe that vision is very, very important. But I think a, a word that goes right along with vision that I think is even as more important is the word focus. Is the word focus. And so today I'm going to talk about focus. What is your focus? As we're going into a new year, what is your focus? Now, let's go back to the scripture. And I want to give you a little context here because this blind man was brought to Jesus for healing. He obviously, he, he, he had this ailment. He couldn't see well. And so they're in the town called Bethsaida. Now, this caught my attention because there's also the story where Jesus, uh, he heals a man who had been uh, paralyzed at the pool of Bethsaida. And so this is a town that Jesus has been to uh, before to do miracles. And I find it very interesting that this guy had some friends that wanted to bring him to Jesus. Has this guy ever been around that pool? Perhaps he has. We don't really know, but it does draw some questions into what was going on. But thank God he had some good friends that said, hey, let me bring you to Jesus. He can heal you. So they bring the man to Jesus. And um, I really appreciate their proactiveness, amen, in their pursuit of Jesus rather than just waiting for something to happen. Come on. They became proactive, and a lot of people are waiting, but I think we need to become proactive in our pursuit of God and not just for the things that God gives us. Amen? And so they became very proactive, and they bring this blind man to Jesus. And what I thought was interesting was when this blind man encounters Jesus, Jesus does not heal him immediately. I thought that was interesting because here's, here is God in the flesh. Here is the all-powerful one that has healing in his hands, and all he has to do is touch the man, and boom, it's done. Carry on, everybody. But he chooses not to do this. He chooses to take this man from the village that they're in in Bethsaida, and he leads him outside of the village. Now, this may not seem like a big deal to you, but if you're blind... And somebody takes you out of the place that you're used to being, and they left you there. That's high risk. And so this man has to trust the process. He has to trust Jesus as he leads him out of the village, knowing that he can, but not understanding how he's going to do this miracle that he knows that Jesus can do. Because it's obvious he healed the man over there by the pool, told him to get up, take your mat, and go home. But now this is happening different because Jesus healed him on the spot. And now for the blind man, it's not happening on the spot. There's a process to this whole miracle. And now he has to go outside of the village. And it's high risk because what if it doesn't work? How am I going to get Get back. I'm not used to this. This is out of my comfort zone, Jesus. Why are you doing this to me? Sometimes I found that our comfort zone is what keeps us from what God wants to do in us. And this whole story really reminds me of prayer and fasting. Because if we're going to seek God, it's going to require us to come out of our comfort zone. It's going to require us to come out of some normal routines. See, for this man to really experience what God has for him, it wasn't going to happen right there in that spot the way that he had been living. He had to leave the routine to be with God. And fasting is leaving the routine to meet with God. 
But the question is, do we trust that as we leave the routine that God can do something in our lives? Do you trust that God has something for you? Or is this just another spiritual exercise that we're going to participate in and we're just going to feel good about our lives and never, ever receive what God has for us? Never allow God to do something in us, but just participate in the activity. Now, I want you to notice this series of events because these are not normal. After Jesus leads him out of the village, Jesus spit on the man. That is not how you minister to people. I wouldn't do that. Like if you came up here for prayer and I just like spit on you, you would not appreciate me. That would make social media, I'm pretty sure. We would get famous in a hurry. Jesus spit on a man. How dare you, Jesus? Who do you think you are? I mean, I don't know if you catch the whole, like, this is not a good thing. Maybe that's why Jesus took him out of the village so no one would see it. Jesus spits on him, and then he heals him, and then he tells him how to proceed. Now, what's interesting is... For us, because we're so literal and we're so educational, we want to know the contents of the saliva so that we can reproduce it and try to share this miracle with everybody else. Bottle it up, baby. Infomercial time. For a limited time only. This is how we think. I'm serious. We would write a book on how to produce the healing potion of Jesus' saliva. And we would find different ways to administer it other than spitting. We'd rather anoint it. Safer, it's cleaner. But I want you to know that the healing qualities wasn't in the saliva. It was in the man, Jesus. And so you're saying, why did he spit on the man? That is rude. According to Jewish faith, to spit on someone would be to disgrace them. But because you and I live in a world that is so easily offended, we read too much into it. And we see that as offensive. Rather than realizing that Jesus didn't spit on the man, he spit on what was wrong with the man. He spit on the blindness. And he says this blindness is it's a disgrace to this man. And I'm here because I am grace. And we're going to do away with this disgrace to bring him grace. So he curses the disgrace so that he can bring him the grace of healing. See, some people in here, you were so offended that Jesus spit on the man, you were checking out. But you didn't understand it all. You didn't understand the process of how Jesus works. And this is the deal. A lot of us, we would rather just live with the blindness and forsake Jesus spitting or, or, or cursing the thing that is cursing us because it, would, it just wouldn't be right. I'd rather be blind than have somebody spit on me. That is not the way God thinks. God wants us to be able to see. He wants you to see clearly, amen? He wants you to have vision. He wants it to be focused. And Jesus, he takes this man out of the village, blows my mind, blind man out of the village, way out of his comfort zone, spits on the man like the guy didn't see it coming. Couldn't even prepare. Just standing there. He just spit on me. He spit on me. 
I just said that. Yeah. This is what I realized in the story. Yeah, Jesus restored his sight. But he did so much more for this man than just restore his sight. He gave this man a whole new life. His life was about to change because of what Jesus was doing in his life. See, a lot of times we're more about spiritual sightseeing. We like to see the spiritual things. We love to experience the things of God. We're more, when it comes to vision, we like to see things happen. When it comes to vision, we like to look good. Am I right? How many of you like to look good? Three of you. The rest of you. We're praying for you. See, having vision, it's not just about your five-year plan. Because you can have a five-year plan and achieve it and miss out on the things of God. You can have a five-year plan and achieve it and not be the mom you're supposed to be. You can have a five-year plan and achieve it and not be the husband you're supposed to be. You can have a five-year plan and achieve it and not be where God wants you to be. Come on, somebody. This is the real stuff right here. And so that's why I say vision is important, but focus what is the focus on your life? So here's the deal. When we think about focus, most of the time, we're thinking about what is it that I need to be focused on? What are the things that I need to focus on? And really what we do is we get very specific on that one thing. I'm focused this year. I'm going to focus on, 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 on my family. I'm going to focus on my health. I'm going to focus on my career. I'm going to get really, really focused. And what happens is we, we, we become one-dimensional. That's what we think about. That's what we put our time, our effort, and our energy to all the time. But I want you to know that there's more to your life than that one thing. There's more to your life than that one area that we tend to give all of our focus to. Here's a verse that I want to give you some context. Okay, Philippians 3.13. This is what Paul said. Now, you would think that Paul, hey, I mean, this guy's got it all. But he says this, I have not achieved it all. I'm not there yet. Paul, you're writing the Bible. You must be doing something right. He said, I'm not there yet, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Notice what his focus is. This is what he says he's focusing on. He's focusing on forgetting the past and focusing on what lies ahead. It's not one specific thing. There's a lot of things in our past. And there's a lot of things in our future. It's not just one little bitty thing that I'm giving my whole life to. It's the past, this is who I was. But the future, this is who I believe God wants me to be. And I want to focus on who God wants me to be. And I believe if that we just focus on one area of our lives, our lives get out of balance and our lives get out of order. And that's why things don't work. When you go to a vending machine and you put your money in, you press the button and nothing comes out, it's out of order. And that is frustrating. Because now you can't get your money back. And I believe that there are people in our lives pressing the buttons because they need something from us. And they can't get us because our lives are out of order. It's out of balance because we're focusing on one thing. So I begin to think about what are the things that we usually focus on. I'm going to focus on myself. This has become a very big trend 
And I want you, I want you to be very careful when you say, I'm going to focus on myself. Because when you read the Bible, you see Jesus over and over talking about denying yourself. This is a very, very tough subject to talk about because a lot of people are trying to take good care of themselves, and I agree with that. But listen, the best way to take care of yourself is not making yourself the focus. It's making Jesus the focus of your life. Amen? We got to learn to deny ourselves and focus on him. Amen? So watch this. Let me, let me help you with this because some of you that are all about focusing on self, you're mad at me right now. But let me help you because it's not about focusing on yourself. It's finding focus for yourself. There's a difference. I, I, it's not me focusing on me. It's me finding focus for me. Amen? I'm finding focus for me. I've got to be able to see things clearly and make good decisions based off of what I'm seeing. If not, I make bad decisions. And that's what begins to affect me personally. Amen? And so if I just focus on myself, only see things one way, my way. But when I focus on him, I see things his way, and his way is going to cover a lot more than just my way. Amen? I don't want to get into that. i got other things to talk about. Here's another thing. Focusing on health. It's good to be healthy. Get healthy so you can live and take care of your family and be strong enough to play with them, hang out with them, and do all the things that you want to do. But don't spend all your time getting healthy just in your body. Get healthy in your spirit, too. See, the Bible says physical training is good, but training for godliness is better. And so you might look good because you're getting it on and you're working out and your abs are getting tight and your calves are just getting swole and all that stuff. And that's great. Get swole, but make sure that spiritually you're getting swole too so that when the enemy comes against you, you can take them down. Amen? And watch this. Health, it's all about intake. What you bring in is what's going to come out. And if we're just going to focus on food, Hey, let's focus also on what we're putting in our minds. Let's focus on, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are the things that your, your soul is consuming? Because it's going to affect your emotional health as well. See, if you just focus on health for your body, you miss out on all the benefits of being healthy everywhere in your life. Amen? That's good. Here's another one. Focus on the family. There's an organization called Focus on the Family. That's very important. We want strong, loving, and healthy families, right? But I've found that focusing on the, on the family now looks more like trips and activities. I'm not trying to bash those things. And you see, when you preach, you're in such a dilemma because if you mention anything that somebody does that sounds like what you're preaching about, they just think that you're anti what they're doing. And it's not that we're anti what you're doing. It's that we're more for what God wants to do. Amen? And so why not find a focus for your family. Not just a focus on my family, but find a focus for your family. And here's a verse that I begin to think about. The Bible says this in Proverbs. It says, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, we're falling apart because we're, we're looking at things wrong. We're trying to micromanage every area of our life and make it great when God's like, you need to look at me. And as you look at me, I'm going to do things in you that's going to help you to be better in every area of your life. I'm serious. This is how it works. But a lot of times it's like, God, just come help me in this one area. And God's like, I'm Lord of all. Not just Lord of that. Lord of all. Amen. Say that. Lord of all. Some of y'all needed to say it because you didn't like it. So let's talk about this. A better way to find focus in 2020. Okay. We're using this story. The first thing is let Jesus lead you. 
This is how you're going to find better focus in 2020. Let Jesus lead you. So here's the question that it, that, it, that it offers us. How can I be a better follower of Jesus in 2020? This, this is the questions we've got to ask. How can I better follow Jesus this year? How am I going to actively pursue Jesus in 2020? Like, what are the steps that I'm going to take? Because in the idea of, like, if we just have a good idea about it, we will agree. But what about tomorrow? And what about next week and the week after? And when the 21 days of prayer and fasting are over, like, is there still going to be a pursuit? And so for us, I want to let Jesus lead me. And so I can either sit and wait for what we want from God. Like this guy was in Bethsaida, and there was the pool where everybody was sitting waiting to see what God was going to do. When's the angel going to come and stir the pool? Who's going to help me get in the water? I need my support group. I need this to happen. And it never happens, and we're just waiting. Or will we actively pursue Jesus? Am I going to pursue him and let him lead me, knowing that he is going to lead me out of my comfort zone? He is going to lead me out of the place that I've created to to create this sense of security. And he's going to bring me to a place of peace. He's going to bring me to a place of change. And it might disrupt the system a little bit. But if it means my life has changed, it's worth it. Amen? Spiritual comfort zones. Like prison walls. This is what they are. They're like prison walls. And so you can get visitations from God, but you're still stuck behind bars. That's what the spiritual comfort zone is. And Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen? He came to set captives free. And so I challenge you this year, join the e-group. You've been reluctant to do it. It's time to take a step and join the e-group. Amen? Maybe you have never prayed publicly. That's a good step for you this year. Maybe you have never lifted your hands or clapped during worship. That's a good step for you. You're like, Pastor Wade, that is just so uncomfortable. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) Why not use biblical principles to shape our life rather than common practices? See, that's letting Jesus lead, okay? I believe he'll lead us to opportunities we never saw. He'll lead us to responsibilities that we never thought we could carry. I think he'll take us places we never thought we would go. I think he'll introduce us to people we never thought we would meet. I think he'll use you to do something you never thought you would do if you let him lead you. Here's the next thing. we got to let Jesus touch us. See, I find it interesting. He spit on the man, and the man opened his eyes. He could see, but he couldn't see clearly. And so what did he do? He started seeing people, and he misinterpreted things. He said they look like trees. And a lot of times, that's as far as our vision goes. And so we can see, but we can't see clearly, and we misinterpret. Why? Because we're looking at people. We're trying to interpret what God does through people instead of seeing him face to face. And we need to allow God to touch us. We need to allow him to really, really move in our lives. And I'm talking about a God encounter. I'm not just talking about a sermon. Listen, we are so educated now on every topic under the sun, and people still don't know what they're doing. There's so many books on marriage, so many different opportunities to learn about raising children and mental health and emotional health and spiritual health, all these different things, but yet we're still in the same boat. 
And what is it? We're filling our heads and our lives with knowledge, but we need the one. We need an encounter with the one who gives life and gives life abundantly. And we have created spiritual comfort zones that say, I only go this far. And Jesus keeps saying, take another step. Take another, but I don't do that. I don't do that. And I believe that you and I need an encounter with God. Because when you have an encounter with God, there is no words to explain it. There is no other way to figure it out other than I've been with him. And because I've been with him, I see things so different now that you can't tell me it doesn't work. You can't tell me that God doesn't heal. You can't tell me that God can't change the situation. I've been with him. I know his power. I know what he's able to do. It's such confidence that comes from a God encounter. And I believe 2020 is a year that you can encounter God. Amen. I thought about this. We're wrapping up right here. This man, the first time he sees, he can't see clearly. His resolution wasn't that good. You remember when HDTVs came out? I remember when we got our little flat screen tube TV, 720p. Some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. That's a low resolution. And then they came out with 1080. Come on, how many of y'all remember the 1080? How many of y'all are still sporting a 1080 at the house? Most of you are, I promise you. Baby, we got 1080, but we need 4K. The Lord is calling us out of our comfort zone. <laughs> How many people would agree we need the 4K? See, 4K is clear. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's clear. It's clarity. It's clarity. And so the more the man encountered Jesus, the clearer his vision became. So I'm just thinking over the next 21 days, if you begin to give time to the Lord and focus on him, how clear your vision can become for your life. It'll go from that old school black and white rabbit ear TV where it wasn't clear. I remember my, 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 my aunt bought me a TV years ago, a little 13-inch black and white, and we would watch football games on it. We didn't even know where the ball was. <laughs> Couldn't find it. You're like... Where's the ball? I don't know. Can't see it. Too much static. Now you watch it, and it looks like the ball's coming in your living room. Amen. Have you had a God encounter? Have you, have you had a God encounter that touches your life, that overwhelms you to the point that you can't even explain it? This year, ask Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit here in the next few weeks. And I believe that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You go read Acts 2. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, God began to give them visions. They could see. We're going to talk about it. I believe we need an encounter with God. Here's the third thing. You've got to let him lead you. You've got to let him touch you. But you've got to let him change you. Notice what he told the man. He said, don't go back into the village. Let him go home. I've preached this before. Some of you remember. But you know what he was telling? That usual path that you always take, that you have memorized because you depended on it every day with your walking stick when you couldn't see, don't go that way. Find a new path and use the vision that I'm giving you. This is such a word from God for somebody in here. Find a new path to go where you're supposed to be going with the vision that I'm giving you. 
See, he didn't want the man dependent on what he memorized because he didn't need his sight to get back home. I'm sure along the way, as he was going out of the village, he was memorizing sounds. He was evaluating everything he felt with his feet, smells, different things, just in case it didn't work so he can get back. And so Jesus, what he tells him is something so strategic because really, it's literally the proof that things have to change, that things have changed. Now that you have vision, don't go back the same way that you came. And I'm praying that after 21 days of prayer and fasting, because of the vision that God is giving us for our lives, because of the way that we're focusing now, that we won't go back to the way that it was before. Amen? That family won't look like it was before when we were hollering and screaming at each other just to figure out what in the world we were going to do that weekend. Amen? Where we were sitting there fighting over every little bitty thing because we had become so unhealthy emotionally because of things that we have carried for so long. But now God has set us truly free, and we're out of that comfort zone and we're no longer using those tactics anymore and generational curses are broken amen come on and we got some new vision for our family we got a new vision for our lives we got a new vision for ourselves personally and saying listen I'm not gonna be like this anymore I'm a new person in Christ Jesus I wish somebody would get excited about this I'm a new person and that is what I'm praying that over the next 21 days God will do in your life and so today I challenge you I, 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 everything in me challenges you today to make the commitment to 21 days of prayer and fasting with us. Come to church on Sunday. Come with us on Wednesdays and pray during the week. Spend time with God, and God is going to change your life. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I believe it too. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. If you're here today as we start a brand new year, and you know that you're not where you're supposed to be with God, that you are away from Him. Perhaps you do have a church background. Maybe you grew up in church and it taught you more about being religious than it did about having a relationship with God. Perhaps the end of this last year has you thinking that it's time for change. Really the change that's needed is surrendering completely God. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Way, it's time for me to surrender my life to the Lord, to start out this new year the way that God wants me to. And you can sense it in your heart. It's like the Lord is literally hungering for you. Don't reject Him today. Receive Him. If that's you, would you lift a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm away from God. I've drifted away from the Lord. I've gotten caught up in the routine of life. And really, my relationship with God isn't happening right now. But I know I, it's time to surrender to Him. Anyone else? Several hands have been raised. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me today. It's time to come home. Every Sunday, we get the opportunity to pray this prayer with people in this room. And this never gets old. Because really, it's saying, Jesus, I want to get back. I want to get to where I'm supposed to be with you. It's literally like a homecoming. And if you raised your hand this morning, along with everyone in this room, we're going to pray this prayer out loud. I ask every one of you to repeat this after me. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for creating this life so that I can live, so I can be who you want me to be. I've made some decisions, and I've done some things that are wrong. I have sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me today. I ask you to wash me, to cleanse me, 
Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross and dying for my sins. Thank you for paying the price. That was mine to pay. I make this decision today. I choose to follow you. I give you my life, all of me. And I thank you that you're changing me, making me a brand new person. I choose today to live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 No better way to start.